brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, everyone. We are here for Planetary Peace, Power, and Prosperity, and we are recording for Bold Brave Media TV, and we're on YouTube and I think Facebook. Okay. So I'm Constance DeAngelis, and we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about Easter, and that is actually a huge subject. Now, one of the most important things about Easter is how in the world it got named. And it's really important because what we're going to find out through my research for doing this program, as well as other information that I've had available to me for a number of years, is that Easter it really is not a Christian holiday. Now, if we created it, there's no doubt about it, but in fact, it was created way back 5,000 years ago before Christianity even occurred. And one of the main goddesses for which this holiday was named is actually, and I'm going to show this up here. Can you see that? It's E-O-S-T-R-E. Now, if you want to look it up, Wikipedia is great. 
has a lot of interesting information and there's a lot of other information um, online. Okay, so guess what? You know how that's pronounced? Pronounced Yoster. Now, I'm not especially fond of the pronunciation, but in fact it is. And I got that information from my friend Julie Lohr's book called Everyday Goddesses. You can see where I have marked a few of them. All right. Yoster is a goddess of revolt. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? We're in springtime. Little aside here, I'm in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, in the mountains, about 7,500 feet here, looking up. And guess what? We're having a winter storm come upon us within the next few hours. Oh, boy, am I tired of being cold. Okay, Yoster is the Germanic of spring. She is also called Ostara or Istra. Her name is the origin of Easter, which is the only feast day in the Christian calendar, which is still tied to the moon. And we're going to talk a little bit about moons here and lunar calendars and the difference between the full moon and why that's important. Yoster is a goddess of dawn. Dawn, rebirth, and new beginnings. Now that is exciting because I know that's exciting for me. Her festival is celebrated on the first day of spring. She's invoked at dawn with ritual fire. They call it quickening the land. I'm not sure what that means. While the full moon symbolically sets behind her. Yoster's return each spring warms the ground, preparing for a new cycle of growth. Here's a little story about this goddess. One year the goddess was late and a little girl found a bird near death from the cold. The child turned to Yoster for help. In response, a rainbow bridge appeared and Yoster came, clothed in her red robe and vibrant sunlight, melting the snow. Because the creature was wounded beyond repair, Yoster changed it into a snow hare, a rabbit. <laughs> who then brought gifts of rainbow eggs, hares and rainbows. Hares meaning H-A-R-E-S, rabbits, and rainbows are sacred to her, as is the full moon. Since ancients saw the image of a rabbit in its markings. The point from the book, Everyday Goddesses, is contemplation. I ignite the passion in my life. Now that's a relatively positive way of looking at this situation with Easter. That changes a lot, as we know, um, with respect to the idea of death and resurrection. 
but that is also involved, and I will tell you more about that. What is also important is because we're dealing with a moon cycle, what we find is this is, as was stated there, the only uh, festival holiday in Christianity that is actually still tied to the moon. There were many prior to this, but this is the one that is left. And we'll talk a little bit about how that happened and what is really going on. And the interesting part of it is that the um, Easter is set at the full moon subsequent to the first full moon after the vernal equinox or the spring equinox. And here is the goddess that is related to that. And that name is Eos. And that's E-O-S. And that is the Greek goddess of dawn. Her name is similar to Yostre or Yoster. <laughs> Sorry about this pronunciation. <laughs> Her name is similar to Yostre, but Eos is the goddess of every single dawn. She's equivalent to the Roman goddess Aurora. Her sister is Selene, the moon. Her brother is Helios, the sun. Eos had, the, had a romance. They all have lots of romances. It's quite a lot of fun to read about these pagan gods and goddesses. Anyway, her romance was with Astraeus, something like that, whose name means starry. <laughs> I've known some like that. And this union produced four winds. Now, this is important to me now because we're about to have gusting winds at 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, and uh, good to stay indoors. Uh, the north wind was named Boreas. That's what we'll be having, I believe. Norus was the south wind. Zephyrus, the west wind. And Eurus, the east wind. And a little story about Eos was imagined with flaming red hair, clothed in robes, the, in robes, <laughs> the color of golden saffron. And that sounds beautiful. And driving a magnificent purple chariot drawn by two horses. Now that sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. In the morning, she drove her chariot across the sky, but at other times was shown riding a winged steed Pegasus. Aha, fun. Eos also had wings of her own. So she, when she desired, she'd fly across the sky carrying a torch which illuminated the pink clouds of sunrise and set the sky on isn't that exciting? Well, these are the goddesses that have given rise to Easter. So let me tell you a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about the phases of the moon. And, and the, the point here is um, the word Easter has no Christian connection. And it links to all the pre-Christian 
pagan goddesses who commemor were commemorated in spring. And that I found really important. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about, a little personally, because I was raised very Catholic in Toledo, Ohio, in Catholic school. It really helped change a lot of what I have been questioning for many, many years. So let's talk about the phases of the moon. Okay, each month as the moon cycles through its various phases, creates unique energies. And these energies actually affect our daily lives. We can learn to work with these energies to manifest our desires with more ease and live in alignment alignment with the flow of the universe. And the moon is never stationary, and it has different points in the monthly cycle. But the ones really important are, one, the new moon. And the new moon marks the beginning of a new lunar cycle. And it's the darkest phase of the moon. And it's a good time to set intentions, kind of sow the seeds for your desires. Um, when, when I'm looking for clarity, this is the time that's conducive to getting clarity about what I want to create, what I want to manifest, and what I want to grow. So it's a good time to journal, to reflect, to set goals. And I would say, and again, I wrote a book called The Seven Laws of Inner Peace. And in that book, the fourth law is alignment. So when we align to our goals and our desires to bring them to fruition, opposed to being distracted, then that's what's important. The full moon then is what we're going to talk about when we come back, because the full moon after the vernal um, equinox is when the Catholic Church in its Nicene uh group in the year 325 decided would be was called Easter and it would be the resurrection that we would commemorate and that full moon is what we're going to talk about it's halfway point in the lunar cycle a potent time to come with high emotions and intensity evaluate Correct course, make adjustments. We're going to talk more about the gods and goddesses that gave rise to this, including a guy by the name of Attis, A-T-T-I-S. So as we come back, it'll be more fun taking a look at how we really got into this whole spring, Easter, Lent situation that we are now engaged in at this time. Thank you. The opiate epidemic has reached crisis levels, and when so many families are affected by addiction, opiate-related drug overdoses and death, the time is now to have a really constructive conversation about addiction that could lead to better prevention, treatment, and recovery. Alan Charles, author and speaker on drug prevention, presents the Alan Charles Show. Alan brings a message of hope, sharing his unbelievable story of surviving a 20-year addiction to cocaine and 
and highlights from his memoir, Walking Out the Other Side, an addict's journey from loneliness to life. His raw honesty and courageous heart breaks the stigma of addiction and offers a unique perspective into the mind of an addict. Join Alan each week as he brings his to a true understanding of the grip of addiction. It is always with understanding that we can begin to heal. The Alan Charles Show, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network. Hi, back again. You know, I mentioned this first council of Nicaea, and this this is actually very important. Um, there was a turmoil up until uh, uh, the Catholic Church took complete control of governing, um, and and th- this started. Um, and it, it lasted for many, many years, and actually it lasted beyond the Council of Nicaea, which was in 325. And that was the time when it was determined that this resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth would be declared um, on a certain time. And that time was set forth on the um, first full moon after the spring equinox. And why? Well, because that was a big celebration time. And I will tell you a little bit more about the God that was really big at the time. But um, all of the holidays for all of the sects Sex meaning S-E-C-T-S. In other words, all of the organizations, um, because there was still a lot of pain in the world. And therefore, um, the uh, Catholics had to really get close to the pagans so they could... uh, the pagans could adopt the Catholic or Christian view rather than their own um, prior god or goddess view. All right. And you know what I find interesting, and probably it's related to the fact that uh, it's Constance, and I was named after St. Constance, who was the daughter of Constantine. And did you know that the Emperor Constantine, who was actually at that time, and I think always, unbaptized, Okay, and that was that was getting to be important. He actually ran the Council of Nicaea in 325. Now he's he's in Constantinople, which became Istanbul, and he in, in 306, so it would have been less than 20 years prior to that time, he was declared emperor of. Well, I'm not sure. Emperor of Turkey, I guess. It wasn't Turkey at that time. <laughs> Sorry about my history. Anyway, and in York, uh, Britain, they declared him to be an emperor. He then con- he converted to Christianity, and he convened a council, and it was the Council of Arles in three, 314, and through that became the sole emperor. Do you think maybe he was a little involved in his own need for power? Um, anyway, 
and he presided over the ecumenical, and ecumenical became a different way of looking at the world rather than through the actual um, movement of the moon and the sun and all of that uh, type of uh, astronomical use, which was predominant in all pagan cultures. So they created a different way of looking at things, and it was um, called the um, ec ecumenical um, approach. Anyway, um, okay, let's see. He founded the city of Constantinople and died seven years later. Um, and in the forgery, he was considered a great missionary. So, uh, anyway, that that was him. Um, I want to um, also um, give you some idea about how massive this whole situation with Easter is. And um, that all of the pages, and, and let's, I'll tell you what, let me list for you what is... What are some of the events that are currently occurring right now in 2022, and they have their basis in B.C.? So we're talking four or 5,000 years ago. This kind of stuff was going on. We just called it something different. All right. So what have we have? Ah, the Lunar New Year starts in uh, Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, okay? Then uh, we have a celebration of the Prophet Muhammad's um, ascent to heaven. Then we have Ash Wednesday, and that's the beginning in Christianity. Oh, all of these involve fasting. Isn't that interesting? Now, do you think that's new? Nah, it's not. That's what they were doing back with Yoster, um, 2,000 years uh, B.C. So um, it's been occurring for a long time. All right. And actually, that would be probably very helpful for my obese friends to work on the fasting part of it. Anyway, that was, um, yes. Okay. Now, we also have for Baha'is, I know some fabulous Baha'i people actually met them here in Pagosa Springs, of all places. Anyway, the fasting starts um, also for the Baha'is. Um, and then we also have the start of Lent, which is different on day. I'm not going to get into all the dates. They change pretty much each year based on this idea that we're still involved in a lunar uh, concept, um, uh, ecumenical as it is. Um, anyway, the start of Lent for Orthodox Christians, and then we have also what is in Judaism, which is Fast of Esther, and it's T-A-A-N-I-T, I don't know how to pronounce it, Tanit, um, it's a minor fasting when the sun is up, and then we have another festival of lots in Ju Judaism called Purim, um, then we have Holy Thursday, commemoration of the Last Supper. In Christianity, we have Good Friday, uh, commemorate crucifixion, um, which also includes fasting. Mm -hmm. See, it's important. 
Then we have the Passover time period in Judaism, Festival of Freedom. Uh, then we have Easter in Christianity, which this year is April 17th. And then, of course, we have Palm Sunday. Um, in Orthodox Christianity, it occurs on the same day as the celebration of the um, Easter uh, for Christianity. But then we have um, Holy Days before Easter in the Orthodox Christianity, Holy Thursday. And then we have the um, Easter, uh, which is a week later uh, in the um, Orthodox Christianity. Uh, <clears throat> we have Last Supper, all of those Christian uh, holidays during that time. We also have um, another Baha'i um, holiday. And um, again, I did not get too much into the Passover, um, but this is really important too because the Catholic Church wanted to adopt a time period that could correspond with the Passover. And actually, um, the Gregory, the Pope, in 1572, I think it was, came in and changed the whole calendar from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, which we have today. And the reason he did that was he raised 10 days so everything at Easter could correspond with the Passover. Is that a who or what? Now, Matt, some people, you may have known this. You can look this up. I, was, I, I knew a little bit, but I didn't really realize it was that dramatic. That's how much control was needed that we had to have the change in the calendar to make sure that we could get we, meaning the Catholic Church, Christianity, who was is in control, that group, um, other groups of the same order were called cults, um, and make sure that everybody got covered so they could all adhere to the same concepts. One of the things that I find really interesting, because I also happen to be Irish, Irish and Polish, um, is Beltane. Beltane is occurring right around this time, too. It's called the Festival of Light, which makes sense on the spring, okay, because now we have lighter days. Um, except for Pagosa, we got a winter storm coming. Anyway, um, Festival of Light, honoring fertility and creation. And we all know that the attitude toward women is fertility and creation. What world we live in. I'm going to make an aside here. It's interesting to me. Anyway, I really like the Beltane thing because it's really, it's really fun. And it would be uh, fun to talk a lot more about that. But what an interesting uh, world we have. And I made the comment that death is an adventure because in a sense, resurrection, etc., all related to dying and being born again, and rising up, ascending. And isn't it interesting that we live in a world, and this is the uh, news for today, we live in a world where a, a young woman is to be um, jailed and prosecuted for allegedly um, inducing an abortion on herself, okay? and 
at this and then the next report is about children being killed in by military people and bombs in an adjacent country uh, that would be Ukraine and Russia all at the same time same day isn't that uncanny that we would go on one end and then do nothing other than maybe economic stuff which you created anyway about the other where is our alignment with the spirit the good the life the society the fertility the creation the opening huh wow death is an adventure isn't it even in a time of renewal fascinating so let's talk a little bit more about some of these pagan religions i'm going to bring up a couple more and and what's really interesting is how many um we have let, let me list them for i already listed yoster see i pronounced that right that time i already uh mentioned yoster and ostara and eos the and this is the celtic goddess of spring goddess of spring let's let me just tell you about some of the others in egypt gods or goddesses that were formed uh, for the resurrection and then um re rebooting their life in egypt osiris in greece dionysus dionysus okay asia minor addis we're going to talk about addis when we come back because it's fascinating syria adonis italy bacchus persia mithras in the mesopotamia god of fertility is tammuz i think that's how you pronounce it sumerian god anyway okay and um he died at the hands of inanna and i can give you some information about inanna because she also is related to the rites of spring yes and she was considered to be the holy virgin and in an ancient sumerian goddess of love and wine but also battle wow she's fascinating they were big on wine at that time by the way anyway she actually killed her husband tammuz and then she brought him back to life so we have resurrection okay well i'm going to give you a really fun story about the god attis who was in competition with the christians and that's when we come back and thank you so much for considering our gods of fertility at this springtime also known as Easter. Bye. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help epilepsy patients during surgery or to help fight against Parkinson's disease? 
Dr. Dr. Patricia Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Pro, a biomedical electronic breakthrough. Imagine a pro to help to help understand and potential cure brain related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick. Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brain Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy Easysense.com and learn and how, how your health, health we can fight fight these horrific disorders. disorders. That's easysense.com to learn to more, more and help and support, help support the Broderick Foundation. Foundation. Hi there. I would like to share with you some of the most interesting things that I found um, in doing my research that I didn't know before. I had a pretty good idea what some of this, um, these conflicts were because of, as I mentioned to you, I was raised Catholic and baptized, confirmed, um, and went to Catholic school from the time I was, I believe, six or seven. And, um, and then also graduated at age 17 from a Catholic girls' school. Uh, oh, who was having, um, notice I refer to the school as a who, so it must be a person. Anyway, <clears throat> a uh, reunion, and I'm not even going to tell you what the year of the reunion is, but I, anyway, it's really a long time ago in Toledo, Ohio in June, and I doubt if I'll make it, but who knows. Let me tell you about this um, Addis. Um, this, is a, this is a god who's um, in um, an area of Turkey, um, um, 2,000 years um, BC, um, and there was a special festival um, that was dedicated to his consort, and as it turns out, also his mother, um, and the goddess Sabel, spelled C Y B E L E. And I'm going to refer here to um, the writing in the Everyday Goddess by Judith, Julie Lore because it describes her um, very well. And the, the goddess here is very, very important because it created a, a, a conflict um, that had to be resolved with the uh, Christian, the Catholic Church um, at the time. This is, um, again, there are, these are existing in uh, B.C., and now we're going to be talking about moving over into A.D., um, and I'm not getting into all the other changes of time here. Okay. Sabel called Mountain Mother. Hmm. Yeah. Um, is an ancient goddess of Saccades uh, from, and I don't know how to pronounce this, Phrygian in Anatolia. This is like, uh, which is now Turkey. Okay. She was called Augusta, the Great One, Magna Mater. Uh, Mater, of course, is mother, uh, great mother, Alma, and nourishing one, and Sanctissima. Now, 
obviously you know that that has something to do with the use of, of Latin. Okay, the most holy one. Her crown was a symbolic representation of a city wall. <laughs> yeah, Sabel drove a chariot drawn by lions and was also associated with bees. Now, I love honey, and propolis is fantastic for health. Sabel was worshipped on Mount Ida in rites that included ritual baptism in the blood of a sacrificed sacred bull. That's what they did then. Who represented the annual rebirth of her consort, Attis, T-T-I-S. This indicates that the practice dates from the age of Taurus, all right, the bull rather than a sacrificial lamb, which followed in the age of Aries, the ram. Okay, um, ah, and this is important because this is, this is uh, having to do with uh, competition with, uh, with the Christian viewpoint. Her priests castrated themselves in their worship of the goddess, which, not surprisingly, the church found repugnant. <laughs> until four common era, which would be, you know, A.D. An ancient temple to Sabel stood on a hillside in ancient Rome, near where the valley is today. The ruins are still preserved, and the temple, the temple site has been maintained. Now, with respect to some of the other circumstances of the time, we will now talk about Attis. Now, please note the similarities here, okay? And also note, there's a statue of um, Attis at the shrine of Attis on the campus of the Magna Mater in Ostitia Antica, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Italy. And another statue uh, was at the mouth of the Rome, at Rome's river, and now it has been moved to the Vatican Museum. So, a connection here, people. What I also find interesting, because I like to study uh, environmental issues, is that Attis... Um, and the cult, Attis cult, was very popular in 79 A.D. That would be, you know, um, what common era? I won't get into that. Mount Vesuvius did at that time and pretty much covered everything uh, in certain areas. And the um, cult of Attis was actually a wood throne and it had been featured um, in an area that was actually covered uh, uh, with ash when Mount Vesuvius did. So it's really interesting that the extent of the involvement with this god Attis and his consort and mother, um, who was Sabel. All right. Now, here, here's, here's the key points. I won't go into de well, details. All right. And, again, the point, here's the point being. The Christians 
in in early Christianity, um, up until you know probably 1500, were um, and definitely within the first three to 500 years, were really upset about this Addis God thing because of the following. Addis was born on December 25th of the virgin Nana. He was a shepherd. He was considered the only begotten son, the logos or word, and the savior slain for the salvation of mankind. By the way, the virgin Nana was also Sabel, his consort, always a virgin, although she was a mother. His cult had a sacrificial meal, which it is contended that his body was bred and was eaten by the worshipers. That would be very similar to the consecration of the bread at the Last Supper. Uh-huh. His priests were eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. Addis served as both the divine son and father, the God-man. On Black Friday, he was crucified on a tree from which his holy blood ran down to redeem the earth. He descended into the underworld. And after three days, Addis was resurrected as the most high God. And when did all this occur? That would have been around the vernal equinox. And at that time, by the time of the full moon, after the vernal or spring equinox. Hmm, I think that sounds a whole lot like what was and what now is considered to be the truth that Christianity now promotes as their tenet for Easter and their pretty much entire belief system. Okay. There was also a great um, cult. It was called the Metroic Cult. Interesting. That also, by the way, um, has to do with a, a type of music, which I find um, um, very interesting. Anyway, um, the youthful Addis... Um, after his murder, was miraculously brought to life again three days after his demise. And I think what's important about this and the really good part is that the cycle of death and renewal is one of the major festivals that has been brought to our humanity for as long as we can even look at history. And I can tell you in my research, I actually looked at some of the Inuits um, and the people who allegedly crossed over the Bering Strait around the Ice Age, what, 17,000 uh, years ago? And 
all of the information we have from all cultures across the entire humanity forever has to do with this springing to life and reverence for the fact that at one point there is death and then the adventure begins and new life and renewal takes place. This Addis represented a promise of a reborn life. So it is not surprising that we would want to continue. All right, let's see. Um, Sabel is regarded as the virgin goddess and the climax of the celebration of Addis's re resurrection fell on a time um, which the early church declared would be the date of Christ's death. Gee, isn't that exciting? So, Addis is killed, fixed to a tree, directs after three days, while his mother is regarded as the virgin goddess, comparable to the virgin Mary, and then the ancient pagans and early church fathers um, really start having a problem. Oh, by the way, the virgin birth is determined, uh, called parthenogenesis, because the goddesses are referred to as parthenos, the Greek word for virgin. You can look that up. So, that's what we're talking about here. Um, I think we'll come back. We are bold, brave media. We are promoting the importance of peace, uh, power, and prosperity on our planet. And it is key and uh, a key component to having our human race stay on this planet along with all the other sentient beings that we have here. And we are fostering that care and consideration. There is no doubt about this. It's important. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality, but it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating? Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like I had relief right away. better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety into awareness. Happening, uh, like a, a flow inside, you know, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429-Energetic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Hi there, back again, and um, we just have a few more minutes left. I want to tell you a little bit about this uh, virgin uh, birth thing, because this is, uh, I have always found, and again, my undergrad is, is biology, pre-med, 
Um, I was putting cannulas in the hypothalamus of rats back in the 70s. And so I'm really interested in all of the, a lot of different uh, scientific things. Um, and what's really fascinating about um, this Addis, uh, the son of uh, Sabel, uh, and she was both son and consort, um, and is her form as a virgin called Nana, is that, um, and this one I think is just so much fun, and this is why I've got to tell you. Okay, this is how, let's see. Addis is the son of Sabel in her form as a virgin, Nana, and she was impregnated, remember, she didn't have, have sex, you know, she has to stay as a virgin, by the, she's impregnated by, listen to this one, divine force in the form of a, pomegranate. They were really big on pomegranates back in the pagan days. I've read a lot about this interesting thing. She, the great goddess, became pregnant simply eating the tree's fruit. Now there are some other aphids do that, you know, the things that stick to uh, plants and suck the sap out of the, out of the plant. Anyway, so, and there are a lot of other gods like Horus, um, uh, the uh, god uh, Mithra, um, and there's all, but we don't have time to be talking about them. If you're really interested in this stuff, let me know because I got data out the wazoo. Anyhow, okay. I want to talk to you a wee bit about what we're going to be um, uh, doing next time. Oh, here, but before I do that, the thing I want to mention is uh, Pasha and the Passover, because this was an, a really important factor in um, Christianity that the, and around 1500 or so, because what was happening with the use of the astronomical uh, way of looking at things, um, we were getting we meeting the Catholic, the Christian church was getting too far away from Passover in their timing of Easter. So they changed the rules and went to the Gregorian calendar, which took out 10 days and therefore corresponded correctly. Um, so what's really important, what really cool is the Jewish festival of Passover. So um, it was a coordination of the Jewish festival, and it's really important. In Greek, the feast is called Pasha, Italian Pasqua. In Danish, it's Aske, I think. Oh, my pronunciation. French, it's Hakes. Hakay. Hakay? Anyway. Um, okay. And it's all the spring renewal of life. How exciting can that be? Uh-huh. And the lunar month is, and, and there's a Paschal full moon, um, which was fall on the 14th day of the lunar beginning after the spring equinox, and that was known as, and it's N-I-S-S-A-N, Nisan, uh, in the Hebrew calendar. So, Paschal full moon is occurring as we speak. Anyhow, the, I want to talk to you about uh, what we're going to do next week. And there's so much more. Again, if you're interested, let me know. I'll be happy to send it to you. It's really exciting because it includes Isis and um, uh, a lot of other Egyptian gods and stuff. Okay.
next week, Dr. Janet Smith Warfield is going to come on and I am going to work with her and we are going to talk about connection. I can honestly say to you after 30 some years of uh, law practice um, that I, I said it before, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Now, not that you don't have to know your stuff, okay, in anything that you do. I don't care if you're an artist or 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 a intellectual or whoever. You got to know your stuff, okay? But it's also who you connect with. And then how about it connecting with self? This has been what I'm doing during this whole pandemic craziness. And big part of it is I've been on spiritual retreat. And what's that showing me? It's showing me who I am with respect to the soul or the source of my being. And now, through the process of dealing with the kinds of things we've talked about today about Easter, I have expanded and, in a sense, clarified some of the really deep questions I have had with respect to who am I? Being raised Catholic, I had certain viewpoints. Those viewpoints are pretty much gone now. I know the truth of my being. I'm not going to adopt the truth or allegedly of someone, especially when I can prove that it's not real. So what's real, kiddo? What's authentic? Again, fourth law of inner peace, alignment. What's the authentic part of being? What's the authentic part of one's soul? What really is self-care? How do we relate to a community, to a society? Do we stay within a family or do we branch out? How do we relate to our planet, to the earth? I'm going to be doing some things on diseases. I prefer the word health. But now health has been a bastardized word. It's being used for care as opposed to health. And health is what shamans talk about when they're in the jungle finding ways to heal. And that's what I've been doing. Breathing, energetically being. So here we are. Is it physical death that we have? What is the energetic concept of it? Remember. Hmm. Pay attention to who you are and think for yourself. Planetary peace, power, and prosperity. That means us too. We're going to talk about that kind of situation. We are looking at universal community not stagnated, separateness, division. We don't want to divide and conquer, but there are some humans who do. Here, planetary peace, power, prosperity, we're looking at connection and reconnection, and that means all of us. So you can end to this, Dr. Uh, Janet Smith-Warfield will be our guest, actually, and that has been her life for many, many years. She has promoted this. She cares about it, 
and she cares about every single one of us and knows that our community is universal. So here we are, Planetary Peace, Power, and Prosperity. I'm going to get that down those four Ps. I love alliteration. And we are on Bold Brave Media TV and on YouTube and Facebook and probably some more stuff because I've got to learn a lot of this kind of stuff. And one of the things I can tell you is the word fighting, I drew a circle around it and put an X through it. We don't want to be using those terms. We want harmony. We want peace. Thank you. This has been Planetary Peace, Power, and Prosperity. Listen each week as four unique co-hosts, Dr. Janet Smith-Warfield, Duncan McClintock, and Angela Christie, and Carolyn McGee will help you bring peace, power, and prosperity to your own life. Let's create, co-create, and manifest a peaceful, powerful, planet together and forever. Listening to the BM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily ideas, views, and opinions of the BM Global Network.